This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right. It is a Friday. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Ben Kenny. It is on the clock. Sports Radio 94 WIP and Phillies 24-7. Welcome in. I want to ask first, what does a perfect... What does the word perfect mean? And once that is answered, what does a perfect offseason look like? Is it possible to approach anything like a baseball offseason and have it go perfectly? Because that's what we're going to talk about today. So here we are, what, three weeks away from when the Philly season ended, a couple weeks away from the World Series. We are seeing rumors flying left and right from everywhere, some from the team, some from ESPN. Phillies are connected to half a million people, which is, I mean, it's fun, right? We've reached the point in our lives where the Phillies are a great organization and they're actually connected to all the top free agents, whether that's the Phillies doing it or the agent doing it, pretty much saying the Phillies are in on us, so the price is going up. That's that's who they are right now. That's who the Yankees have always been and the Cardinals and the Red Sox and the Dodgers. The Phillies are in that club. So that is a fun reality to live in. But no big moves have been made yet. So I thought it'd be a good time on this show. The uh, second to the last show, the second show before Thanksgiving. I don't know. Um, But we will have a show next week before the holiday. I thought it is time for our perfect Phillies offseason. If I were Dave Dombrowski and I had realistic constraints on what I do, This is how I would operate going into this offseason to not only create a contender for next season, but to create a contender for the next couple years. Because, I mean, after 2022, it didn't feel like we were at a crossroads. And by we, I mean the Phillies now because I'm the GM. Because you come off of the World Series year and you make a big move in Turner, but you didn't really have to labor to keep anybody there was no big Aranola decision upcoming. It was kind of a, a free roll offseason where you make another big move in a big splash and then you go into the year and you expect things to be different and they weren't. But this year does feel, as I've talked about, like a crossroads kind of offseason for the Phillies because the pitching plan is going to be new. I mean, there's a chance it's different if it's not Aranola. There are some reported trades. Like, there are some big pivots that management can make, whether it's to Mike Trout. Just generally speaking, you know who the stars are of Wheeler and Harper now, but you don't know who the other 
pieces are going to be. And like with Hoskins going, there are a lot of free agents available to fill those some of those roles. It just feels as though the decisions made this offseason will be looked back upon. Like we look back at the 2007 to 11 run, and while the 2018 won and the others didn't, I think we would look back upon the moves made in the off seasons thereafter of getting Roy Halladay or acquiring some of the other pieces that they did, Roy Oswalt. Like we look back upon those moves fondly. It's just the team hit the cliff instantly and everything fell apart. But I think there were good championship type moves made. They made championship teams without the teams having won championships, if that makes any sense. So I'm Dave Dombrowski and I approached this offseason. I must add a very necessary disclaimer. And this will surround everything I say in the next 10 minutes. If the opportunity arose, arises, I don't know which, but if there was an opportunity to present itself for me, the Phillies, to sign Shohei Otani, I'm doing it. I don't care if he is a DH. I will take a year. I will take a decade of Kyle Schwarber playing left field if it means I add Shohei Otani to this team. He doesn't pitch next year. Fine. I'll figure out the pitching. Then when he comes back the next year in 25, I'll add Andrew Painter too. Shohei Otani is going to be my closer. And he's my DH. He's one of the top hitters. I mean, he's, he might be the best, just pure like talent-wise, the best baseball player of all time. If the opportunity arises for the Phillies to sign Otani, the answer is yes. I don't care what fit problems it causes with Schwarber playing left or someone has to DH. I don't care about any of that. You make room for a guy like Shohei. So let me be clear. I would do that. It is so far unrealistic. There are some rumors on him we'll touch on later in the show that are not great for Philly standards. But it's so far unrealistic that I'm not going to build my offseason around it. That would be naive and stupid. The other guy that I would trade for, as I said last week, is not named Mike Trout. I would make a deal for Juan Soto. Now, I'm approaching this offseason assuming that's not going to happen because that does also seem a little bit far-fetched. Soto owed a lot of money. Padres trying to cut payroll. He has one year left before he hits free agency. And, I mean, as one of the best players in the sport and one of a, like a generational hitter, a generational offensive player, he's going to get a lot of money. And I would be fine. Like, that's why he's getting dealt from the Padres. There are going to be teams. Like, he feels like a Yankee. There are going to be teams like that going after him. I would make that move in a heartbeat because that's an upgrade in the outfield. And that is a, a tangible offensive upgrade that could change the trajectory of the team. And Juan Soto is a reliable player. He's there day in, day out. Now, he's had some trouble with expectations, like when he arrived in, in San Diego. But still, I would add Juan Soto. I, I would do what it takes to trade for him. But again, I don't think that's something that I could sit here and say, oh yeah, that sounds like a realistic outcome. But those are the two disclaimers. I would take Shohei Otani. I would trade for Soto. But if those two do not happen, this is my perfect Phillies offseason. And here's my end point for when I post this uh, on Twitter. My perfect Phillies offseason. Number one, I am re-signing Aaron Nola, believe it or not, surprise, surprise, to six years 180, seven years 200. I don't care. 
I'm re-signing Aranola. As I've explained on this podcast time and time again, I need Aranola in my rotation in order to get through a season. If baseball is so much about how are you positioned when you get to the playoffs and then how do you play in the playoffs, the Phillies do not get into the playoffs as well set up as they have been in the last couple of years without the work done by Aranola. And I, I know people are unhappy with him because of the ERA and one year it's on, one year it's off. If it is off and on one year, this coming year is going to be a great one. But listen, this is a guy, he's averaged 194 innings over his last four or five seasons, take away COVID. He's a workhorse. He's out there every fifth day. I need him as my number two. Wheeler's my number one. Nola's my number two. And not only did he show a sign of maybe really turning the corner in the playoffs, but I think it opens up, and this is going to be a theme through my my offseason, it opens up a lot of options for the Phillies to take during the year. If you know that Nola's going to give you a start every fifth day and Wheeler's going to be up there at the top, then you're able to take a little more risky path if you want to go get another impact arm come playoff time. If, if you want to find a big game pitcher, if you want to trade for a top starter at the deadline, having Nola in your rotation makes it easier for you to do that. You're not relying upon this new acquisition to be great and be at the top of his game. So when we speak of the Phillies bullpen, which has been aided greatly by the presence of Nola, they pitched the fewest innings in the sport last regular season. That's why they were set up well for the playoffs. Now, could they have used another arm? Yes, but that's a quantity. Or I guess it's quality because Kimbrell stunk. But it's a quantity thing in terms of Craig Kimbrell is just not a reliable pitcher. You needed another arm. But the rest of the arms aided greatly by the fact that the starting pitching on this team goes deep into games. So Aaron Nola, I'm signing him. And as is the case with Harper and Turner and many of the contracts that this team has given out, I'm accepting the fact that the last couple years will not be great. But still, if he's out there giving me 35 starts a year, I don't care if he is a 4 or a 4-2. I have other workhorses come playoff time that I could use and win me games that way. I need a guy that can get me to the playoffs every year. Aaron Nola's that guy. I think it'll be a colossal mistake to let him go, as I've explained. I would argue that uh, if you could acquire in the means they would have to acquire these players, so Nola's money, Trout, it would be money and players. I think Aaron Nola means more to the Phillies' success next year and the year after and the year after than Mike Trout would. I really do. I, I think we really underestimate what his innings do to the rest of the team. Not to mention, he's been here forever, part of the fabric. Like, it all fits. There's no question. Like, you know exactly what you're going to get if you re-sign Aaron Nola. There's no question of, will it work? Will the pressure be too much? Will he get hurt? Like the answer to all that is no. He's going to fit in. He's going to go out there every fifth day. He's going to do his job. And he will get you to the playoffs in a good position. And it's about the rest of the guys and him performing. But this is a playoff performer. Again, everyone's probably tired of hearing me talk about Nola. But there you go. That's my first move. I'm signing him. Now, Jason Stark had a great piece in The Athletic, which we'll touch on a bit later as well. He said the Phillies' first move this offseason isn't to sign Nola. It's to figure out if they can sign Nola, if he's going to get priced out. I accept there is a scenario where the Yankees or the Cardinals or, God forbid, the Braves 
just throw ungodly sums of money at him because he's worth it. But if they do that and the Phillies do get priced out, which is a realistic outcome, there's one pivot I would make. It's not to Blake Snell. I don't want Blake Snell. He is the most infuriating pitcher I've ever watched. And if he's a Philly, people would be gouging their eyes out trying to watch this guy pitch because he'll walk three guys and then strike out the next three. He won't get hit hard. He'll throw a million pitches and it will not be a very fun viewing experience. He is irritating. Now, I know he just won the Cy Young and he had a great year. Like th- That's awesome. Those stats are great. And I'm sure in a five-inning stretch, he can miss more bats than Nola. But season-wide, as I've explained, he doesn't pitch as much. And also, just look at his Cy Young season last year. It's not fun as a fan to watch him pitch. It's not Snell. If I would transition to anybody and have to switch off of Nola, I'm signing Yamamoto, the kid from Japan, who has not been posted yet. He will be soon. He's 25 years old. The Phillies have been named as a team that has been all over him in terms of sending guys out there, doing homework. Now, they're not an organization that's ever really out there aggressively in the international signing pool in terms of big-ticket guys from, I mean, name a place, but Japan has produced certainly some great pitchers over the years. The Phillies have not been one of those teams in the mix for that, but it looks like they are in the mix here. And, I mean, aside from Yamamoto seeming to be a really good pitcher, he's 25. Over his last three years, he has shown workhorse ability. 193 innings in 2021, 193 in 2022, 171 in 2023. Like, he's been out there as consistently as Nola has, giving you those innings. So, at the very least, he gives me that ability. And then, hopefully, he can be as good as a two, or maybe even a one. Like, he's going to get $200 million as well. So, if the contracts are the same, I'm taking Nola, even though he's older, because it's a definite. I know what I'm getting. Yamamoto, I would be totally fine switching off to him if I need to, if Nola goes somewhere else. I think he would fit well, and he would also give you flexibility. Again, if you know you have a workhorse behind Wheeler, gives you flexibility for that next move. It allows you to confidently take a risk. Um, because I do think, while there's the unknown of him not having been in the majors before, I mean, the track record of a lot of these guys that have come over is incredible. And he seems to be like one of the best prospects um, that has come from Japan recently. So I would transition to Yamamoto. That would be the one guy. The one guy in the uh, rotation. So, I mean, that leaves you with a five-man rotation of Wheeler, Nola, Ranger, Chris Sanchez, Taiwan Walker. Sound familiar? Yes, that is last year's rotation. Here's the thing, though. I know that rotation is good enough to get me to the deadline at least, if not through next season into the playoffs. I know that's a good enough rotation because I just saw it be a good enough rotation. Now, the question is, will one big-time pitcher additionally be needed? Uh, Yes, I do think so. But here's the thing. Number one, I don't think Taiwan Walker will be not used next playoffs. And uh, if so, he probably shouldn't be on the roster. Chris Sanchez hopefully will remember the number of outs. But the biggest thing is there, if you have Wheeler and Nola and Ranger, you can go get a guy at the deadline. That's what I'm trying to set up this offseason. It is how can we best position a team to win in the regular season and then know at the deadline 
we could pivot and go find a guy to go win in the playoffs. And that's what bringing Nola back does. That's what bringing this entire rotation back does. Because I know it can win in the regular season. So, yeah, then we get to the deadline. You still have the ammunition. You're not going out and getting a Burns or a or a, uh, Shane Bieber. I've seen him thrown out there. If those guys are traded for this offseason before the year starts and then something happens to them or, or, I mean, God forbid they, like if they get hurt or if they're not good enough, you just used all your ammunition to get the guy in the offseason. It happened with Trey Turner. And this is going to be a theme after we talk offense, but I think the Phillies were hurt by the lack of deadline bolt given to the team. Lorenzen gave them a no-hitter, but in terms of like pure talent and depth, because Turner was the big move, but the move was made in the offseason. And so you got the effects of that maybe in August when he was getting hot or whatever, but then come playoff time, it's like when you get deep into the season, you want that big boost to come from a big move at the deadline or you bring in another guy that can help. Turner had been there all year, and I'm a big believer in those big moves having an effect. The Phillies didn't make one. So I want this offseason to set me up for a big deadline splash. It might not need to be in the starting rotation, honestly, if these guys pitch well. I think it will be. And then you could go make those moves. They're always available. Or maybe it comes offensively. Um, and this is what I would... I, I'm getting sidetracked. But uh, yeah, I'm keeping Aranola. That's the first message. The second, I would keep Castellanos. I know I said I would trade him. I, I think if any team comes knocking with an offer that's like a good enough offer and I am able to get Soto or Trout, yeah, then I'm trading Castellanos. If he's part of that deal, trade him away. But I think Castellanos, honestly, is worth more here, even though his contract stinks, than he would be worth elsewhere. Getting rid of him would be a money move, and I don't think you'd get equal value back. Now, hopefully, we can construct a lineup here that is good enough to keep him down at 8 or 9, and then we just pray that he is hot in the playoffs. I, I don't know. There's the recency thing of him just being a free swinger and that being the reason the Phillies lost. There's also the realistic fact that he carried the team for part of the regular season and did carry them in the Brave series. And it wasn't as if he was the only hitter that totally disappeared, like Turner did too. So I would keep Castellanos. I'd keep him. He's my right fielder. I would go for, instead of a Trout, I would go for a very productive platoon in left field and center field. And I know it's not sexy, but there are some free agents. One of them is Jock Peterson. He's older. He has not been great recently. He had a rough 2023. He had a really good 2022 in San Francisco. Won a World Series with the Braves in 21. So he's been there. He is 30, um, 31 years old. And wouldn't cost that much. He's not on the top like 15 of the hitting pro of free agents, hitting free agents out there. High on base guy. He can hit for pop. He's a lefty. He hits righties. So that would be maybe half of my outfield platoon. I'm adding pieces to this where not only does it give Rob Thompson flexibility with the lineup, it gives the team flexibility for, again, what move can be made later. I would love a Jock Peterson and then you pair him up with Tommy Pham, for instance, who, yes, was in Arizona, was on the Diamondbacks. So he is, I mean, he has some experience in big games. 
He played in St. Louis for a while. And uh, he's a vet. He's been there. He saw the loser clubhouse vibes in New York and called them out. I would accept Tommy Pham as a Philly. If you pair Tommy Pham and Peterson, or even a Whit Merrifield who's old and won't cost that much, but can give you, he'll give you professional solid at-bats. He'll see pitches. And if we do want to go away from the free-swinging nature that, that cost the team in the playoffs, then yeah, Whit Merrifield is an answer there. But the point is, I am in left field and center field. Instead of mortgaging a big piece of the future to go get Mike Trout, who might only play half the season, I'm getting two guys that I can combine into one. It's a money ball concept. I know it sounds like a Kapler concept, but seriously, we saw how well it worked, say, in the Marlins series with Pache playing instead of Marsh. And then Marsh comes back. He's hot, too. Like, I, I do like the righty-lefty split. I also like having options. I like having depth out there. So if I can get a Jock Peterson, Tommy Pham, platoon in left field, and then I have Marsh and Pache for the other outfield spot in center, Rojas probably starting in the minors until he can hit. Um, maybe even a Jordan Hicks, who's a switch hitter, who had a weird career in New York, got run out of town there, actually had a good second half of the season in Baltimore this year. I like that group because they're not like a flashy, big-ticket free agent name, obviously, but I think they bring a different skill set. I think they make this lineup a lot scarier because you could put Tommy Pham in the middle and have him not be like Nick Castellanos up there, have him work much more professional at bats. Now, he's not going to be as good as Juan Soto or as good as Mike Trout, obviously. Those guys are better all-time players, but I think it fits the team super well. So really what this is doing, it, it's looking at last year's team, saying that team was good enough to win a World Series, which obviously I think it was, improving the ancillary pieces, um, and that's just offense. The two bullpen moves I would make, actually, before I, I get to all of the reasons why. Number one's Hector Neris, who I need, I miss. He's a great guy. He's actually still a really good pitcher. Give me him. Not as a closer, just as a solid guy. And then I want Jordan Hicks. The other Jordan Hicks. There are two Jordan Hickses. Jordan Hicks from, well, the Cardinals. Then he was on the Blue Jays. He throws like 102, and he's wild. Hopefully, maybe you can work with that and, and make him more consistent. But he has crazy stuff. And the Phils already have the hardest throwing bullpen in baseball. I need two more arms in that. So give me Neris and Hicks as my bullpen moves. I am not trading for Hader. No way in the world. Josh Hader has not thrown a regular season pitch before the ninth inning in two years. He refused in Milwaukee to enter a game before the ninth inning if the team was not in a save situation, up one to three runs, which is ridiculous. He knew it was about his stats, obviously, how much money he was going to make. He's not about winning, in my opinion. Now, there are times where Bob Melvin in San Diego didn't use him the right way. But Hader also just, like, he, he sat on the bench at the end of the year. He's like, I'm not going in. We're not making the playoffs. He knew he's a free agent. I don't like his attitude. I don't want him on this team. I don't want him anywhere around this team. I know he's nasty. I know he's an all-time talent at closer. But I don't want a closer that won't enter a game before a ninth inning if I need him to get a certain amount of outs. Like, Mariano Rivera did it. Brian Wilson did it against the Phillies in 2010. Paul Seawald, 
uh, Ginkle. Like, like these guys all are actually getting in the game when when they're needed more so. No hater. No chance. This is what you're left with. I talked about the rotation. This is what the lineup is with those hitters and then the bullpen with the two guys I just talked about. It's Schwarber, Turner, Harper, Bohm, Stott, either Pham, Jock Peterson, or Whit Merrifield hitting sixth behind Stott, JT seventh, Castellanos eighth, Rojas or uh, Pache or March ninth. So, again, Schwarber one, Turner two, same one, Harper three, Bohm four, Stott five. That's your top five. And then you have the acquisition in left field of Pham, Jock, or Witt in sixth, and then JT Castellanos, and then the center fielder. Now, here's what this is doing. Number one, it's banking on improvement from Alec Bone, which I think we'll see. We have seen it a bit year to year, but I really think this could be a breakout year for Bone. I think the Phillies would kind of need it to be a breakout year for Bone. Offensively, that is. He's already become a well above what he was fielder. This is also, I mean, banking on some improvement continued from Stott. Like those two guys, their trajectories are up. It's also a full year of Harper and Turner. I don't think we can look back at last year and just see the straight results because they played for a while without Harper and they played a while with Harper, but without him hitting for power. He was a slap hitter that we wanted to move to the leadoff spot for a month and a half. But this is a full year of hopefully a comfortable and performing Turner and a healthy and dominant Harper. That's two and three. We know what Schwarber gives us at one. Bohm, I think, takes a step forward at four. I like Stott at five. And then the the platoon of Fam and Jock and or Witt or whoever allows Thompson to do a lot of matchup moving. It allows even pitcher to pitcher. Like, Jock Peterson could start a game against a right-handed pitcher. Sixth inning, here comes the lefty. You get more protection for the guys at the top of the lineup, especially some of the lefties. And then, I mean, I don't know what JT is offensively, but he's there. Castellanos is eighth. He's not going to hurt you nearly as much from the eighth spot. And then, I think a lot of Brandon Marsh hitting ninth. And I like that lineup. Again, that is a lineup, I think, that can get me through the regular season and into the playoffs, because that's the important part. And then come deadline time, I can make a big move. If I'm if I'm in good playoff position, and I look at left field, or I look somewhere else, and I say, okay, I like this lineup, but we need another one. We need another big bat. I can go make that move. Just like with the rotation, it gives you flexibility. And the bullpen's the same way. Alvarado, Sir Anthony, Neris, Jordan Hicks, Kirkering, Strom, Soto. That's a really good bullpen. And then if it comes time where you need an experienced ninth inning guy, you could go make that move. So I don't want to just go make a massive blockbuster trade this offseason just for the thought of, okay, yeah, we need buzz at the start of the year and we need everybody to be excited and we need the team to be better. I don't care about offseason buzz, as I've said. I don't. I care about the team winning. And I think this is a winning team the Phillies already have. And if you make a couple improvements on the periphery, meaning in left field with matchup-wise and then in the bullpen with reliable arms and keep the same rotation, I think you are set up well for at the deadline to make that move. If you need it, you might not even need it. I think you will in the starting pitching department, and you could go make that move then. 
But again, if you make it before the season and something goes wrong, your hands are tied. You've already made your big move of the year. And I don't know how many, like there might be one, there might be two. I, I don't know. But my offseason is to set up the beginning of the regular season with a team I know can win and then come deadline time, open things up for a big move to be made then. Because that's how I think this team wins a World Series. I don't think it's as simple as just a big offseason trade right now and then you go ahead and you cruise and it's a World Series team. I think they're going to have to go all in at the deadline, which is why I'm not using all the resources before that. That's why I'm setting up a team with areas where I know I can improve at. I can point to easy areas. It's also, like we go into the next playoffs, let's say with this roster, instead of Jake Cave coming off the bench in a big spot, it's Jock Peterson, night and day. Instead of Rodolfo Castro hanging out in Florida, I have what? I have uh, Tommy Pham coming out. I have Whit Merrifield coming off the bench. I have real bench bats that can make an impact, which this team, like if, if Jock Peterson was on the team last year, he's probably pinch hitting for Johan Rojas with the bases loaded. Instead of Potts, like you're putting Jock Peterson in in that position, and he probably hits a grand slam, Phillies win the World Series. It's little things like that that last year's team did not have, partially because moves were not made at the deadline and because there were some flaws. Now, this offseason, I think, sets you up perfectly to deal with all of those flaws that cost you and then still allow, again, I'm being repetitive, but I think it's important. It still allows you for a big move to be made at the deadline. So there you go. My offseason, re-sign Aaron Nola, keep Castellanos. If you need Nola to go, give me Yamamoto. I would be totally fine relying on him. Give me a very productive platoon in left field. Jock Peterson, Pham, whoever. And then give me Hector Neris and Jordan Hicks in the bullpen. That's not too much money, to be honest. Hoskins is coming off the books. That's not outlandish in terms of money. Um, so there you go. That is how my offseason will set up success during the season. And uh, it's really we get to the deadline and then it's bang. Time to go. Give me Mike Trout then. Give me a healthy Mike Trout at the deadline as opposed to one in the offseason. At least I know then he's kind of ready to go and and get on the roster and be ready for the playoffs. So there you go. All right. I'm Ben Kenny. It is on the clock. We appreciate you being with us as always. We'll step away here when we come back. Now, I just talked about what I wanted to happen. What's actually happening? There's a lot of rumor mill stuff. A lot of it came from Jason Stark in The Athletic. But uh, there are updates all over the place. And I'll tell you what they are, and we will touch on them next. It is on the clock. All right, it's on the clock. We're back. Ben Kenny with you. It is hot stove season. Um, when I work out these days, it is, uh, it's MOB Network on television, as it is during the season as well. But now it's for the hot stove purpose. I love uh, Harold Reynolds, Matt Vaskersian are, are teamed up on a little show. I enjoy that. I, just didn't, I mean, MOB Network, no free ads on this show. But MLB Network might be like the cream of the crop in terms of straight sports content. They're amazing. MLB Tonight delivers every time. A lot of their daytime shows are pretty good. Um, so I love, like I do enjoy this time of year when my team, the Phillies, as I said at the start of the show, are players. It's fun. We can actually talk about these moves and, and they're realistic. We're not just hoping for a, a prospect to come up and be good. So I like that reality. 
And while I would disagree with a lot of moves they might be able, they might be making, namely Blake Snell and Josh Hader, two pitchers I cannot stand, at least we are a relevant franchise and organization that's viewed at fondly across the league. And that's in on these players. Um, so what's actually happening? Number one, Jason Stark, as I said, the Phils need to figure out whether they can sign Nola. A big issue is mounting right now. Aaron Nola is connected to the Braves. And as you've heard me talk, I am a big fan of his. I'm a big fan of what he brings to a team. I handle many things well. When, when former players go somewhere else, like worth to the Nationals, whatever. Aaron Nola going to the Braves might be that breaking point. That might be one guy that I could not stand watch pitch in another uniform. Now, I, I wouldn't fault him. Like, I, I get the money as part of it. It's not a Johnny Damon going from Boston to New York after winning situation. It's like, I, I get it. I just know exactly how it ends. He is the perfect guy. You put him in the rotation. He's not as good as Strider, but he'll give you the innings. And then the playoffs, he'll come into Citizens Bank and pitch great. And we're going to be kicking ourselves for letting him go. I could see it perfectly. Now, I don't want to just sign him to keep him away from Atlanta. I think there's more there. But that that would be my nightmare. That would be hell, watching Nola do that. So that's the update. Uh, and, and Nola obviously did not uh, accept his qualifying offer. No one really did. Um, other non-Nola options. Jordan Montgomery from, well, the Rangers, formerly the Cardinals is one of them. I'm in fine with him as a three. He's going to get paid a lot, and I don't, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of his. I think he's fine. Yamamoto's one. I, I'm in on Yamamoto. I've talked myself into that. I would be fine with it. And then possible trades for Burns, Tyler Glasnow, or Shane Bieber. Uh, Glasnow of the Rays, Bieber of the Guardians. All three of those pitchers I love. I mean, Burns is a stud. Again, I would be careful with the big offseason trade or big offseason move. And just be careful that it doesn't hinder what you can do at the deadline when your weaknesses are evident. Not just to make this big move to make it. So I would I would not be mad about adding Corbin Burns. Don't get me wrong. I don't know how in on it I would be. I would rather go Yamamoto or free agency route. Um, yeah, and, and Jim Salisbury did say on, on WIP, the Phillies are after Yamamoto and uh, Morosi is talking like 200 mil for him. That's what it's looking like. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm good with that. Uh, Stark also said the Phils are lukewarm on Blake Snell, which is great news. Anybody but Blake Snell. I, I want to make my, my thoughts very clear on this issue. Um, Mike Petrillo, I had this. Uh, I, I saw this earlier today. Mike Petrillo of MLB.com, yeah, was talking about his Cy Young season. And... After his slow start, like he, he gave up a slugging percentage of 217 over four months of baseball, which is crazy. But, um, well, they talked about how Cy Young was one of the weaker Cy Youngs of recent years. Like the walks are just impossible to get behind. And as people have correctly pointed out, it sucks watching him pitch. He's first in ERA. He's second in strikeout percentage. He's last in watchability. So, no. I don't want Blake Snell. The other guy that uh, has been discussed is Hader. Now, Stark did note that him not pitching before the ninth inning is not great. Morosi calls the Phillies a strong candidate for him. 
But I think I I really think the Phillies name is being used by a lot of uh, agents to drive up the price of their player. Now, now we know what mouthpieces of leagues like Schefter and Rappaport and Woj do. We know the service they do for players' prices or whatever. Like somebody is feeding them this information. I think the Phillies are one of the teams nowadays. While it's obvious they don't have a closer, so it's an easy connection to make. But if you throw their name in the hat, the price goes up for the player. And for the agent, that's great. That's how they make money. And it's cool that the Phillies are used this way. I just don't buy every rumor I see in terms of the Phillies being connected to somebody. So here you go. This next piece is the Castellanos trade, which I, I guess I wouldn't do. I, I, would, I would love if it would work out, but I think he would be undervalued on the trade market. The first rumor was that the Phillies would trade him. Remember, we talked about that. The Phillies then, right after, shot it down, say, no way, not trading him. Jason Stark then said, and I'm going back to this piece. It's in The Athletic. I advise everybody read it. said the Phillies would, or a rival exec told Stark, quote, the Phillies would say yes 100% if somebody offered. But the contract sucks, so they probably won't. Um, I mean, I think it's clear what happened. I think the Phillies were trying to trade him. That got out. They wanted to keep the clubhouse thing set and everybody happy, everybody nice. Because if that story's out and it's never shot down and Castellanos is not traded, look who's unhappy. They shoot that down because they know he's a hard guy to trade. So I would bet against that trade happening this offseason. And Stark did note at the end of his article that Dombrowski always adds a bat. You go back to his Tigers days, and each year, they were contenders every year, they never won, he added somebody. Yoannis Cespedes, Prince Fielder, so on and so on. So there you go. That's what's actually happening. Those are the news updates I can give you. I mean, as the weeks go by, the rumors continue. There will be more and more and more of them. So there you go. I'm Ben Kenny. All right. It's on the clock. We will step away. We'll come back. Shohei Mania is going on. There are some top races. Uh, I'm getting tweeted as we speak by my buddy telling me that Yamamoto's a cub. Whatever. Uh, Council's a loser. And um, some some big... Uh, a big fight that I think everybody missed that I want to turn your attention to. We'll talk about that next. It's on the clock. All right. Welcome back in. Ben Kenny on the clock. Phillies 24-7 Sports Radio WIP. At Ben Z. Kenny on Twitter. An average follow. But if you want to follow and holler at me there, that is where I am. So Shohei Otani, the mania is going on. I mean, he's leaving LA. I think that's, I, he's leaving the Angels, I should say. Um, I, I would like 1000% predict he's leaving the angels and John Morosi, who has been all over a lot of this stuff said, quote, he Shohei Otani is probably less concerned about geography and more concerned about the quality of team he's going to, to which somebody added the Braves name into it. Um, the Dodgers are an easy one. I mean, as I said, if, if you say, Hey, would you like to Sign Shohei Otani. The answer is yes, if I am the Phillies. I don't really care about the number. You talk about buzz. You talk about money you make back. Like Bryce Harper, $300 million. Grossly underpaid for what he is to the Phillies and the value he brings. Shohei Otani might get $600 million. I think he would be grossly underpaid at that number. Seriously. You cannot underestimate the market he brings from Japan and the fact that he is the ticket 
people buy tickets to watch Shohei Otani play. There are not many baseball players like that. LeBron in the NBA is like that. I think NFL is regional enough. People buy tickets to go see the Lakers come into town to play their team when LeBron is on the Lakers. I think Kobe was like that. Steph might be like that. It's a basketball thing. Often you might buy tickets to see an opposing player. I did it this year. I bought tickets to see Shohei come to Philly to play. So whatever he's paid, probably an underpay. And even if he's not going to pitch next year, I mean, he gives, brings unbelievable value to the team. And he's a dude that wants to win. I'm not going to underestimate that. So, I mean, I kind of like seeing this update, but obviously the Giants and the Dodgers, every every team you would expect to be in on Shohei is in. The only, the really the only team that he cannot go to is the Mets. Um, I, I cannot stand Shohei as a Met because I would have to grow myself to dislike him. And, and the Braves, which is, I, I mean, what I was going to get to here. The Braves were talked about as a potential suitor as they are clearly one of the best teams in baseball. And they have all these great players, but they don't pay him anything. And they have a, they've weirdly been able to extend all of these studs without paying top dollar. So maybe they've set themselves up to get Shohei. I know the Dodgers have gone through the last offseason to set themselves up to sign Shohei Otani. If the Braves get him, I mean, you're looking at a, a walking Death Star. And maybe there's a point where they are too good. They're just way too dominant of a baseball team that they don't win. I don't know why that would be the case, but maybe that is the case. Maybe that's just how it works. They play the Phillies every year. They'll lose anyway. Or maybe they'll just be cursed. I don't know. But I, I, Shohei Otani cannot go to the Braves. He cannot go to the Mets. Um, there's been talk. I, I know the Mets... Well, they brought in Kodai Senga last offseason, who is, I mean, really good at the top of their rotation. The Mets might pivot to Yamamoto as well. Like The issue here, having the Mets in your, in your division with Steve Cohen there, is they're going to go sign all these big guys. And even if they're not fully in, like they might be rebuilding for a year, they are still a threat to sign any of these top guys. That's where you as the Phillies are kind of, like you want to make these big moves, but you know you're getting into bidding wars with the Mets, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, the Red Sox. We're not the Red Sox anymore. They don't spend money. But in terms of the top spenders in the sport, which is a dangerous place to be. It's not my money, but it's a dangerous place to be. So, yeah, Shohei looking for a contender. No big news as to who's the favorite. Uh, there was news today that the A's are moving to Vegas. I don't have much to add except for they are pathetic and I feel bad for Oakland baseball fans. And here's the thing. I I love the movie Moneyball. I, I think it's a great film and I read the book and I like the message that it sent. But I think the, I, I think Moneyball gave a gave gave a somewhat gave a bad name at least to the act of trying to use numbers to benefit your team building prowess. For instance, looking at numbers that have as close a correlation to wins as you can find. For instance, find if I sign a free agent, I don't want to sign a guy with 130 RBIs because of the number. Because maybe a lot of those RBIs came because he came up with the bases loaded every at-bat. Meanwhile, 
there might be a Kyle Schwarber who hit 50 homers, had fewer RBIs, but it's actually a more productive player. Like there are numbers that are that are more useful in terms of projecting future success. There are numbers that are less useful. I think the movie Moneyball is used as this, oh, analytics this, analytics ruining the game. Oh. This argument that drives me crazy. And while I think it is a good movie, I think it gave it's given a bad name to building a team using analytics. Now, the problem is what it enabled the athletics to do is just build this money ball team. And they had some pretty good teams, honestly, over the last 20 years and then not spend any money. And that's also a pathetic part of it. You need to have this, this piece of it. That is who are the players that are going to be good. And then also who can we spend money on? Cause we need established star players. And that's where I think the A's went wrong. And there's my money ball spiel. The last bit I wanted to get to um, is Giancarlo Stan in the Yankees. And I'm going to flip this to speak positively about the Phillies. This is from an ESPN piece um, a couple days ago. Giancarlo Stan's agent clapped back at Yankees GM Brian Cashman while offering a word of warning to any free agents considering joining New York. Now, the Yankees are a disaster because their GM, well, for many reasons, but their GM at the meetings, at whatever meetings went on when everybody had stomach problems, met with the media, started getting in fights with the media members over absolutely nothing, over stupid stuff that he might have been wrong about, about, you know, why the team hasn't been winning. He's like, I think we have a really good team. We got injured. About why young players haven't succeeded. He goes, oh, well, maybe they have. And then the reporter would point out things that are factually like correct, and Cashman would push back. Cashman is an idiot. So there's a big, there's a rift between Yankees fans and Cashman. The team is going downhill. They haven't made a World Series in like 15 years. So then this comes out, and Cashman had said, <laughs> the injury-plagued Stanton is, quote, going to wind up getting hurt again more likely than not because it seems to be part of his game, end quote. First of all, what an ass. Second, uh, Stan's agent claps back. He said, I, I read the context of the interview. I think it's a good reminder for all free agents uh, considering signing in New York, both foreign and domestic, that to play for the team, you have to be made of Teflon, both mentally and physically, because you can never let your guard down, even in the offseason. Not only is Cashman an idiot and an ass, um, this is a problem that the Yankees face in a market like New York, that the Phillies given how positive everything is around the team, do not face. The Phillies are a first-class organization. The Yankees, maybe just this guy Cashman, more of a of a second or third class. I don't know the tiers of classes, but there you go. Like that's that that is ridiculous to talk about a player like that and then to expect to bring guys in and have them be liked. Like New York will eat these guys up. We're here. I know some don't love it, giving standing ovations, but the support is night and day, and it's different. I think the Phillies generally, aura-wise, everything around them, the fans, very good place. One of the best places I've ever seen them in. So there you go. All right, on the clock, we close it out next. Um, I'll give you what to watch, as I always do. I'm Ben Kenny. We'll be right back. All right, it is on the clock. Ben Kenny closing it out. We will be back. I'm going to record an episode probably next Tuesday. I'm working a lot next week, and then Thanksgiving's on Thursday. I believe it'll be out at the same time on Friday morning as it always is. 
It'll be recorded earlier in the week. So if for some reason we get big free agent news on Thanksgiving Day, that won't be part of the episode. And that will be, I will offer an apology if that situation presents itself. I don't think it will. So uh, that is what to expect next week. I mean, it's really just a lot of news, 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 rumor, rumor, rumor. But we'll update you on all those rumors. And I will explore. I know I gave out my perfect offseason. And it doesn't involve a lot of big slam dunk moves. I will next week look at those moves and talk about their viability. And if they do happen, which ones I'll get behind? Because listen, we would not complain if we got Mike Trout. No, no. I would not complain if they got Soto or Shohei. The only guy I would is Blake Snell. We could talk about him and Hayter uh, more extensively coming up in the future. But until then, we thank you for hanging out. As always, I'm Ben Kenny. We'll talk next week. See ya. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.